Welcome to the Veteran Founder Podcast on the Startup Radio Network. Starting a company allows you to be back in control. The weekly show that brings together military spouse and veteran founders who are doing remarkable things in the business world. I can't imagine there's anything out there stronger than the bond that military and veteran entrepreneurs have. We'll hear their story, the story of their business, and lessons learned. Joy can override the worries and depression. Here are your hosts, Cynthia Kale and Josh Carter. Welcome to the Veteran Founder Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Carter. Uh, and with me, as always, is Cynthia Kao. Cynthia, welcome. Hi. Uh, how was your week, by the way? My week is blurring into each other. Honestly, <laughs> I've just been so swamped with work. Yeah. I, I'm looking forward to taking some time off for Memorial Day, just Ye- a few days. And then my daughter's graduating, so we get to actually go see her walk the stage up oh, in Syracuse. Man. Yeah, so our, cool. our, our son graduates high school this year, and we just found out we're going to be doing it in Providence, Providence Park here in Portland. So I'm really excited because it's like you said, it's been a weird year, obviously, uh, without saying. And uh, and now we get to watch our kids like walk. That's really exciting. I'm, I'm excited. Another phase of life for them. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. Hey, well, if you are new to the show, welcome. Every week we bring in these remarkable guests that have just one extra thing on their resume, and that is service to our country. And this week is no exception. We have an Air Force vet. He has written a book called You Deserve It, The Definitive Guide of Getting uh, to Getting the Veterans Benefits You Deserve. He is also the CEO of VA Claims Insider, which is a co- coaching and consulting company, which is a mouthful. But Brian Reese, welcome to the show. Appreciate y'all. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, we're really excited. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for being here. Like I mentioned, you're an Air Force veteran. Cynthia, obviously, anytime we get an Air Force vet is super excited about it. I'm not counting, by the way. I don't have tallies. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a lot lately, though. I I feel like we've had a lot of Air Force vets on We have. Yeah, Yeah, we have. It's cool. So, Brian, let's talk a little bit and rewind the tape. We're going to talk about the book, obviously. We're going to talk about your business and some of the things that led you to it. But let's start with... Your time in the military, why, uh, why the Air Force? What, what compelled you to get into it? And, uh, and what did you do when you got in? Sure. So this is going to be a fun story to share because, you know, it, it doesn't matter, in my opinion, uh, why you joined. What, what matters is what you learned uh, through that service while you were in. And hopefully then that carries over to your life. And, and I'm similar. So I'm not from a military family. I'm from northern Minnesota. Uh, my mom and dad were both teachers. My, my brother's a doctor. He's way smarter than me. <laughs> and so have incredible role models in my parents. Um, but growing up in northern Minnesota, uh, found a real passion with ice hockey. And that was really, you know, from the youngest, from my youngest recollection, I wanted to play in the NHL. I wanted to be a pro hockey player. And, you know, I realized probably when I was about 15 or 16 that I was good, but maybe not at the level of being able to to go in the show and be a pro so but i still had this dream of playing division one sports um i wanted to get a great education and so when i started looking at schools and programs uh air force academy west point and harvard came knocking and but harvard wasn't really willing to go all in with me in terms of a scholarship so that really led me to look at the air force academy and west point and when i went out and toured the Air Force Academy, I fell in love with the beauty of, of Colorado. And, you know, when I found out I get to serve as well, plus fulfill a dream uh, and be able to, you know, be an officer in, in the United States military, I was all in. 
uh, and there was no looking back. So uh, my journey started at, at boot camp in the summer of 2003 in Colorado, uh, finished up there, graduated in 2007, had a duty station assignment uh, in Arizona, went out to Boston, uh, had a deployment to Afghanistan, came home, uh, traversed down to San Antonio, Texas, and, and that's really where I finished finished out my journey um, as a contracting officer. So I've always been an entrepreneur at heart. I mean, ever since my youngest days, I mean, I was the, I was the kid who got in trouble in grade school because I had a store in my school locker. <laughs> and uh, so the, the principal called my, called my parents and they're like, you know, my, my dad was giving me the thumbs up and he's like, Hey, just, you know, let's shut down the store at school, but I love your passion and your energy and you're always looking to add value and create. And so um, it's just been ingrained in me from a very young age. And so, you know, a lot of folks, when they go to the, to one of the academies, especially air force, they end up wanting to fly. And I actually knew pretty early on that I did not want to fly. It just, it wasn't a, a passion for me like it was for others. And so um, business always was and has been. And so I decided to focus on management uh, at the academy, uh, got out and you know did an MBA throughout that program as well. So I've always been extremely passionate about finding ways to serve others and add value in this world, and especially to bring solutions to problems. And that's really what I, I, what I get to do now. So, so that's a little bit of my background and my journey of kind of what brought me into the military, what made me stay, and then what I did while I was on active duty. Yeah. When you were in, what, what surprised you, if anything, about your time in the military? Was it that you felt like it was uh, more rigorous than you imagined? Was it more bureaucratic than you imagined? Like, what, what were some of the things that surprised you uh, when you got into the military? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. You know, when folks ask me, what did I learn from the military? Or, you know, what's the, what's the one thing you can take away? I, I learned a ton about leadership number one. I mean, it was just a, it's a living, breathing leadership laboratory and, and we got to practice it uh, to include in battle. And so uh, that was an absolute blessing getting to serve with incredible men and women from around the world. That was amazing to me. The, the thing that, uh, this is going to be maybe an interesting answer, but I'm from Northern Minnesota. Like I mentioned, um, the word diversity, oh. I didn't know what that meant before. Yeah. I mean, I'm from a small, small town in northern Minnesota. And so for me, when I went out to Colorado, that was really my first uh, sort of this awakening moment of realizing, hey, there's a lot of folks with different backgrounds and yeah. diversity of thought and diversity of religion. And I think I learned that all of those things were okay and that that diversity makes us stronger. But uh, prior to the military, I just had almost no exposure to that as well. Um, I also wasn't used to structure. Hmm. So it was, it was a wake up call <laughs> for me yeah. when I got into the daily grind of what it meant to be a cadet and you know, what it meant to, to be in the military. But I'll tell you that structure has really set me up for success in life. And as human beings, we crave structure. We need structure. We need routine. Yeah. And so, you know, as an entrepreneur as well, that's one of the things I encourage other startup founders and entrepreneurs to really grasp is that structure is a good thing. You need it as you start to grow your business. 
Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting you bring up the diversity piece, right? The military is the most diverse employer in the country. And and I have a, a similar experience, only I would the other way. So I grew up in the Bay Area, one of the most diverse areas in the country. And so when I got to Chicago, I went to Great Lakes, Illinois for, for mine. I met a gentleman, amazing human being, just super humble, super nice, but he'd never been outside of his little town in Arkansas. And so everything, yeah. it was just like, it was like taking a kid to, to like Disneyland. We'd take him to downtown Chicago and it was like, oh my God, look at these big buildings. Look at these people. Like it was, it was fun to watch that amazement in him. So cool. I noticed that there's so many different kinds of people in the military. Like you said, Josh, there's a lot of folks that have never gone outside of their hometown. And so for them, the military is the adventure, you know, to get away from their hometown, to be able to travel uh, with your career and meet a lot of people. My experience with the Air Force was um, you know, that, that structure for sure, that the the rules oriented, but not, I mean, getting to my shop you know, my chain of command went by first name basis, which threw me off. I, I didn't expect that. But there was a lot of leadership development. And there was there wasn't a oh, you can't do this because this is your specific role or title or duty. If they saw somebody with uh, a specific skill set, they grew that. And um, so I think that business uh, thinking was there from the very beginning. And I don't know, Brian, if you experienced that yourself. Um, but that's something that I've noticed in my own journey. Yeah, no, that's these are great points that y'all are bringing up. And it, as you guys are talking, of course, it's reminding me of, of so many stories. Um, the, the part that's interesting for me is, you know, a lot of folks talk about the military and how it's this huge bureaucracy and, you know, blah, blah, blah. There's all these rigid, stringent rules uh, that that was not my experience at all. In fact, I felt like I was able to be an entrepreneur. I mean, I was able to really affect change with it. In my career field, which was uh, contracting and program management and helping DOD really rethink and reimagine the acquisition process to include, you know, how we get small businesses, more contracts and set aside. So um, that was maybe, you know, almost back to that first question you asked. Uh, I found the Air Force to be more entrepreneurial than I would have imagined. Mm -hmm. And I was actually given a lot of free space, even as a young lieutenant, to kind of rethink and reimagine new things. Yeah. No, it's it's true. And I think that as the Air Force has gone into this like innovation thinking, we've seen the creation of AFWorks, right? It was a, really the first innovation group of all the, the major branches uh, to really first adopt that. Let's iterate and find ways to connect with the startup ecosystem. They even have an amazing software group out of Boston and their only customer <laughs> is the Air Force. And it's a group called Kessel Run, which is the most amazing name for any software development group ever but yeah i think the air force just has that culture of wanting people to think for themselves think with entrepreneurship in mind so i think you're spot on with that that's very cool in fact i actually know those those men and women pretty well with afworks um i was part of the part of the team that was helping really get that off the ground um out of jbsa randolph and then uh, here in austin but i do know they've expanded it you know dod wide i do know that you know the air force especially is really tapping into what are some of these smaller shops doing where can we tap into the tech startups to help us help us launch and scale new solutions faster and if you think about it that's what a startup does and so you know the fact that the air force you know, sort of put its money where its mouth was and actually launch these things and they're funding it. 
um, I think it's fantastic. So, Brian, tell me, um, at what point in your military career did you decide, okay, there's the light at the end of the tunnel or my time with the Air Force is coming to a closure and I'd like to get out? Sure. Yeah. So I'm going to get real vulnerable with y'all. That's uh, I believe it's important just to share these parts of, of our stories and our journey. So sure. um, I had a I had a real tough deployment to Afghanistan in 2011, uh, came home with a whole bunch of, of mental health issues, uh, PTSD, depression, anxiety, uh, physical pain. And I sort of just began this downward spiral of drug abuse, alcohol abuse, just sort of sort of lost myself uh, trying to hide and cope with these things. Um, and I wasn't I wasn't honest with myself at that time. Um, but I knew that my time was done um, after I came home from from Afghanistan for the first time. I knew that I wasn't going to be uh, capable of going back. And so that was really the the time starting in 2011 where I started to think that, you know, this, this isn't going to be a full career for me. Um, I need to, I need to step away and I need to get some help. And so um, that's kind of where it started for me. Um, But I'll, but I'll tell you, I enjoyed every minute. I loved my time in the service. I, I really did. I loved what I did. Um, I loved all of the commanders that I had at the different installations. I was given so many incredible projects to work on and, you know, really met some of the most amazing human beings in my life. And so, you know, I I never imagined myself as serving a full career, but in the first couple of years in, I really thought about it. I mean, I really thought that maybe, you know, maybe this is going to be a 20 or a 30 year thing for me and I'm going to retire from the military um, but after Afghanistan, I, I knew that I knew that that was it. Um, I knew that I needed to be done, and I knew that I really needed to take care of myself um, before I could help others. That's a really big realization because a lot of people um, either a stay in because they don't know what else to do, or b they don't know they don't want to reroute and take the time. To, to practice self-care, you know, because it's a, it's really hard when you're in the military and it depends on, I would say, who your chain of command is. And if they're, if you have somebody that kind of takes you um, under their wing as a, as a mentor and says, hey, like I've been there, you got to watch for these, um, these trouble spots. And, you know, especially when you're adjusting, you're coming home, because that's when it hits you, right? Not, not out in the field. It's when you come home and things are calm that that's when all of the uh, the symptoms come up. Um, but I think right now we're 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 seeing hundreds of thousands of troops get out, and so there's this big awareness of being able to talk about that. Whereas you know back when I was in, um, there wasn't that much awareness. You know there w- there was a beginning of okay, this is what you have to watch out for for resiliency and PTSD, but. At that time, I think people were still trying to figure out what's acceptable, what's not acceptable. How do you ask for help? And how do you ask for help and not have it impact your career? And that was the big thing. Oh, man, you you just hit on something, Cynthia, that is so important. And, you know, one of my goals now, I mean, this is this is so deeply ingrained in me. It's personal for me. Um, I, I am on a mission to, number one, it's okay not to be okay. That's what mm-hmm. I tell veterans all the time. I, I tell my kids that guys, it's okay not to be okay. Tell me, you know, you got to just tell me what's going on. I, I want to know because, you know, number one, it helps to get it off your chest, but, but maybe I can help you. And, 
it, it truly like I absolutely believe deep in my soul that the only way we are going to get real about the mental health crisis affecting our country, the only way we are going to stop and end the military and veteran suicide epidemic is if we start having these raw, real, open, vulnerable conversations about mental health and we have to make it okay to get help. And, mm -hmm. you know, right now, like you mentioned, Cynthia, there's still this stigma within active duty. And even when you get out that, you know, well, my chain of command is going to find out and I'm going to get kicked out of the military or I'm going to get demoted or I'm going to lose my security clearance or they're going to take my guns yep. or my employer is going to find out and, you know, they're going to stick me in the loony bin. You know, look, in my experience, those things are just not true. It didn't happen that way at all for me when I stepped forward and was uncomfortably vulnerable about the things that I was dealing with. And so, um, by the way, it's May, it's Mental Health Awareness Month. Um, and I truly believe we have to make it okay in this country to reach out and get help. And we need to encourage others to do that because mm -hmm. it's a sign of strength. It's not a sign of weakness. Oh yeah, no, and I totally agree. I'm, and I'm I'm older than both of you, so I <laughs> when I was in uh, in the early '90s, uh, it, there was not even a you know that wasn't even a thing. We didn't talk about mental health or PTSD. That was like not even something that was considered or talked about. But what I notice is, to your point, Brian and, and Cynthia too, there's there are discussions happening and not just like in the lower ranks we're talking about four stars and two stars even saying we need to take a really honest in you know look at what it is that we're forcing these young people to do um at such a young age and then when they're out we just sort of like good luck and we need to be better and so i i think you know it is getting better but it's it took years to get to the point where we're at now it's going to take years to get to a point where it's just a, a casual discussion about us not being okay and how to adjust ourselves. Agreed. And, and I've seen, I've seen the military make a lot of progress in this area as well. Um, you're seeing even the new defense secretary uh, prioritize wellness, uh, mental health and, and all of those things. And, you know, look, we've, we've got to address the underlying causes of military and veteran suicide. And, you know, unfortunately, we, I don't want to badmouth the VA because the VA has been, been very good to me overall. Um, and the VA provides, you know, pretty dang incredible care to millions of veterans around the world. But, you know, the VA's answer to military and veteran suicide epidemic, their answer to mental health is, is more pills. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm not going to discount pills because, you know, look, I, I take mental health medications and I would encourage folks who are seeking mental health treatment, if, if medications are going to help you, uh, please take them. But there's this whole other side to wellness for the veteran community. And to me, it's the word I just said, community. The answer ain't more pills. The answer is more community. We need to help veterans connect with each other, get our identities back so that we can serve and support each other in community. Yeah. 
I feel like the answer to isn't just one particular thing because the focus can be very narrow minded where people are only in. You know, I, I was a, a licensed clinical social worker and we always look at there's a term called milieu treatment. And that means you look at the person as a holistic person. Right. You're not just like like if you're if you have diabetes, you're not just treating the pancreas, you're treating the whole immune system. So likewise, right. you know, when you look at mental health, you have to look at the whole individual. You have to look at their physical wellness, their mental wellness their social connection, their meaning. If Do they have meaning in life? Do they have community? Um, and if one of those things is missing, then the whole formula kind of falls apart. And so, you know, I, I'm right there with you where I try to use my own experience. And, you know, because of the clinical side of it, I get it from the, the book and the academic side of things, but then I understand it from the experiential side of things. And, um, you know, medication can deeply help. It's helped me tremendously, but then there's all of those other things I mentioned. And um, sometimes we can forget because we're not taught that when you exit the military, you have this very brief tap program that you go through and it doesn't even touch on all of those things. So you're kind of left to figure it out on your own, you know, and yeah. I know for my family there, it was ab about a decade before I could even talk talk to my family about what was really going on with me because they just didn't understand. They really didn't understand. And a lot of the um, responses was, you know, from civilians, um, well, you volunteered, like mm. you signed up for this. So in a way you knew what you were getting into. And so that's a very kind of shallow way of thinking um, of not truly being empathetic and not truly understanding the veteran experience that it's very complex. There's all, all of these different layers, you know, so I, I'm not sure how you were able to navigate your own wellness for yourself. And maybe you had your chain of command took you, you know, by the side and said, hey, like whatever you need to get better, they referred you to treatment or like, what do you recommend for somebody in that situation now? Yeah. Wow. There's, there's so much to unpack there. And th thank you for sharing that, Cynthia, and being vulnerable. Um, and even your background, because it is, it's a, it's a holistic approach. I don't, I don't think there's necessarily any one specific thing that's going to solve it. No, but there's definitely some things I think we can focus on and encourage people to just be vulnerable and, and to share what they're dealing with and to make it okay to say, you know what, I'm not okay. I'm having a bad day. I need to tap out. Hey, I need to call the VA and, and get myself in anger management. I mean, I, I did that a few months ago. Mm -hmm. I was, I found out I was just such an angry person. I was snapping, you know, going from zero to a hundred so quickly and, and got myself in an anger management program uh, after speaking with my wife about it. And so, you know, I think the more we share Cynthia and Josh about these things, I think the more it's, it's going to be okay for others to realize, okay, you know what, you know, these, these men and women did it. So, you know, maybe I can too, you know, nothing happened to them when they said it. So mm -hmm. in fact, they're, they're out talking about it and, you know, sounds like they're trying to get better. I want that too. So that's, I think, important uh, for anybody listening though, who is active duty, who is a veteran, the, the thing that helped me the most was when I finally looked in the mirror and I was finally willing to actually look at the person staring back and be honest with them mm -hmm. because I wasn't willing to be honest for years, for years. And I always had another excuse, you know, making deals with myself about, you know, hey, I'm not going to drink on the weekend. I'll only drink during the week. Or, you know, mm -hmm. hey, I'm not going to drink hard liquor anymore. I'm only going to drink beer or wine. And, you know, I just, I started down this journey, this path of complete self-destruction. And it took one of my 
best friends in the entire world. It was two things. One, looking in the mirror and finally being honest. And two, telling my best friend about this, telling him I'm not okay, crying in his arms and having him walk me to mental health. Mm. And, and, and by the way, that happened in Afghanistan. Mm. That's, what, that's what people don't know is I'm stationed at Kandahar Airfield in 2011 and my buddy choppered in from Camp Leatherneck out in the West for anybody familiar with Afghanistan. He flew in and he saw me and I mean, he knew something was immediately wrong. He hugged me, I started crying. Um, and, and I'm not a crier, by the way. I mean, I just, I just absolutely broke down. I was, I was completely broken. I wasn't sleeping. Had so much anxiety. And he literally walked me to mental health while we were deployed. Hmm. And you want to know the really crazy thing? Hmm. <laughs> when I finally get to the army psychiatrist, the first thing I tell the psychiatrist is, Please don't diagnose me with a mental health condition. I don't want to get sent home. Oh, wow. I mean, the the embarrassment and the shame, and, and that's what I thought. I mean, I thought for sure, you know, this was going to get right back to my commander. They were going to put me in the loony bin and ship me home. And I couldn't stomach the thought of getting sent home. Yeah. And, you know, he, he listened to me. He sympathized with me. He got me on some medications. We started therapy. And my best friend and that army psychiatrist saved my life that day. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. I and thank you for, for sharing. I really appreciate it. One of the things that um, I really want to get into how this plays into what you're doing now, because you now you're the CEO of this VA claims insider coaching and consulting company. H how do you think all of that stuff that you've done over your career and your journey led you into what you're doing today with VA Claims Insider. Yeah. Well, everything we're doing today is absolutely like this inflection point moment where everything came together uh, into who I am as a person. And, you know, that's what it started with was literally I got out a notebook and I started writing down who who is Brian Reese, hmm. because I kind of, I kind of forgot when I was on active duty and lost myself and all the things we talked about when I became a civilian. And I started writing things down like veteran, disabled veteran, helping others, leadership, entrepreneur, creator. And I kept going back to these words that I wrote in the notebook. And it, literally it was just like this aha moment of, I know a lot about veterans benefits. I can speak in vulnerability about these issues facing us with mental health. I could build a community of veterans helping veterans and we could solve some of these systemic bureaucratic struggles that folks have trying to navigate the VA. And in that notebook, in fact, I still have that sheet of paper. Um, I'm going to dig it out because it's going to be important. Uh, wrote a wrote a blog post about it as well. But I wrote down, I'm stuck, frustrated, and underrated with the VA. I wonder if other veterans are too. And I took to Facebook Live. I mean, we had no followers, zero followers, had no money. And I remember being so scared to press the record button because I was about to go live on Facebook. And I was about to spill my guts and I was about to talk about my struggles with people who knew me well, who didn't know. 
Um, and I was afraid. I mean, I was absolutely scared to death to start talking about these things. And one person joined, two people joined, another person joined. People started commenting like, Brian, you, you, like, you're sharing exactly my story. I struggle with that same thing. And all of a sudden, like people just started following and rally around this idea of veterans helping veterans. And so we launched uh, as a movement, a community of literally veterans helping veterans all over the world using technology, using Zoom. And we had no products or services when we launched. The idea was just to serve one another and grow a community of like-minded folks, which were fellow disabled vets. And then once we had about 5,000 followers, we had a really engaged uh, group of folks. It was just incredible blessing. I just asked them, I said, I said, Hey, what do y'all need now? And that's when we started our first mastermind group. And after we started our first mastermind group, I asked them, what else do you need? They're like, Brian, we need even more help. We need, we need coaches. We need somebody to walk the journey with us. Hmm. So we launched our, our flagship program, VA Claims Insider Elite in 2017. And today we serve over 1500 veterans per month uh, in our membership programs live and in community. It's just, it's an absolute blessing. Uh, we help veterans celebrate life change. That's amazing. I love it. I, it's such a great, a lot of entrepreneurs get into business and they're, they haven't defined their why, right? Which is so important. You're, if you don't know why you're doing your business, except for maybe you want to get rich, which is the completely wrong reason to get into business, you've defined it. And, and that's, that's amazing because you've lived it. What have you learned through the process of, of creating this entity and, and going through this journey that you've taken, say, from your military time? What, what have you taken from that that has allowed you to be, say, a more efficient operator or um, able to pivot faster? Or what, what do you think that, that thing is, that attribute would be? Sure, sure. Well, you, you just hit on something that's absolutely crucial. And what you all have to realize is there's there's nothing wrong with with getting rich or wealthy. I mean, I, I want that for for everybody. Sure. Uh, nobody nobody likes a broke philanthropist. That's that's one of the things. So look, if if you want to make a bigger impact in the world, you can absolutely do that, and you can monetize your message. But it all starts with what you shared, and that's the fundamental fundamental question of of who are you? Why are you doing this? And if you don't take the time. To answer that question, you're going to burn out and you're going to quit when things get tough because it's not what you were meant to do. And I've had that happen to me multiple times uh, prior to, to founding BA Claims Insider. The other thing I want to address real fast is money is not a purpose. Mm -mm. Money, money is yeah. the result of doing business on purpose. And I think that's one of the, the things that has really helped us grow is to keep the purpose, keep our why, keep our vision, mission, and core values front and center um, and to not let the the profit and monetary component overshadow uh, why we do this and how we help better and celebrate life change. Um, I do want to share though and address your question directly because um, there have been so many lessons learned along the way. And at every different stage of your business, you're going to encounter different things and your business is going to break over and over and over again. And you know what? that's okay. Mm -hmm. It's part of growth. You just have to be prepared for it. And so we first broke our business when we went from just me to about 10 folks. 
Uh, we didn't have enough systems in place. We didn't have enough structure. We broke again when we went from about 10 to 50. We broke again when we went from 50 to 100. We're currently sitting at about 125 employees now worldwide. Wow. And, and we're, we're bursting at the seams again. So, so we're, we're preparing to break again as we scale into this next phase. Um, so look, that's, that's a part of the process. The, a couple things, though, happened to me as we grew. Number one, I didn't take off certain hats fast enough, um, meaning, you know, this was, this was my life. This was my dream. And if I could go back in time, I would have hired some key positions sooner. Uh, even before I, I had the full amount of money to pay folks, I, I would have found a way to do it. And I would have implemented structure sooner. And what a lot of entrepreneurs forget is you can have this idea, you can have this product or service, but then you actually have to serve people and then you have to find a way to grow it. And when you grow it, if you don't have structure, you are going to break. And when it breaks, all sorts of disastrous thing happens. Customer complaints go up. People don't want to pay for your service anymore. They take to social media and you know rant and rave about how, how terrible your, your products or services are. Your teammates start to quit because they're feeling the pressure and they don't have structure to guide them. So that was something I learned along the way was to hire someone who complements your weaknesses sooner. Now, I'm going to dive into that real quick, and I'll explain it and then wrap up this answer. For me personally, and for many entrepreneurs, you're probably the ideas guy or gal. You're the one with the vision. This is your passion. You're the one out leading from the front to make things happen. And you're you know, just a key catalyst to growing the business. One of the things I'm absolutely terrible at is operations. I am not an operations guy. Um, structure is actually not natural to me. Um, defining policies and processes and procedures, that's, that's just not my strength. And so you have to hire your weaknesses. And so what I tell entrepreneurs all the time is double down on your strengths. Do what you do best and then outsource your weaknesses. Hire others to complement those things and to take those off your plate. You know, bringing it back full circle, this kind of reminds me of when you said your healing journey began was when you were able to look in the mirror and be honest with yourself and be honest about what you needed to do. And I look at that like as an entrepreneur, as a founder, there's many times where you have to look at yourself in the mirror and go, am I doing the best for the vision, for the customer, for the mission? You know, am I... um Am I able to accept my weaknesses and bring on somebody that compliments me in the areas that I'm weak? And that takes um, patience. It takes a bit of humility, a lot of humility, actually, you know, to be able to say, I don't know it all. <laughs> so I kind of see this parallel of, you know, what what made you successful to be able to start your recovery journey personally is also the same strength in your business. Wow. That's you. You. Amen. I mean, that is that is absolutely <laughs> true, Cynthia. And I'll tell you, if it weren't for our incredible teammates, uh, I wouldn't be here. Yeah, there's no way uh, I couldn't do this without our amazing teammates out there serving on the front lines. I mean, they're the ones who serve our veterans every single day. 
And yeah, I mean, you're going to, you're going to eat a big piece of humble pie as you, as you go through this process and you better be prepared to admit that you don't know everything. Uh, you better be, you better be able to admit when you screw up because I screw up all the time. I make mistakes every single day. And we've tried to, to create that and instill the culture at VA Claims Insider that, look, it's, a, it's okay to, to make a mistake. We'll figure it out and, and we'll move on as long as you're trying. Um, in fact, we encourage folks to make mistakes. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it's, it's just, it's been a full journey, a full life cycle, no doubt. And, you know, we're, we're just hitting this next phase of growth now. You know, we're, we're, uh, it's funny because some of these, these episodes, we get into it and they wrap up really quick and we could spend another hour easily on this, but I want to spend a little time talking about your book because it comes out this week. It came out this week. You get, you deserve it. The definitive guide to getting the veteran benefits you deserve or you are, you've earned. What prompted you to, to make this book? Yeah, many things. Uh, but if I could sum it up in one sentence, it would be this. I wrote the book that I wish somebody would have written for me. Mm. And, you know, we've talked quite a bit about the transition. Um, I, I was afraid. I was, I was, I had a lot of anxiety and depression around the transition. Um, I had sort of forgotten who I was in the military and what I was great at, um, you know, kind of thought, you know, maybe, maybe I need to stay, maybe, Maybe this is for me. Um, you know, am I just going to flounder on the outside? Is anybody going to want to hire me? And so um, I took a lot of that with me. But I wrote the book truly that I wish somebody would have written for me. I wish somebody would have written this book for me and dropped it on my desk back in 2011, 2012. Even as a veteran, I, I wish somebody would have written this book for me because what a lot of veterans don't know is there are hundreds of federal and state benefits that you're entitled to by law, but we don't know what we don't know, right? I mean, truly, we don't know what we don't know. And so my goal with this book is I want it to impact millions of military members, veterans, and their families. And I want you to read this book. I want you to crease this book, underline, highlight, take notes, rip it up. I want this to be a catalyst for you to getting the benefits you've earned for your honorable service to our nation. And and I I reveal literally hundreds of benefits that I'm sure you've never heard of before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it's funny. um, I was, I had surgery when I was in the military in Manaba, Bahrain, and I had hernia surgery. And when I went to go get my, to apply for my, you know, veteran disability benefits, uh, I was denied four times denied, uh, but was told consistently that if I have scars that I didn't have when I went in, then I would qualify for at least 10% disability. Got nothing. Got shut down constantly. So I am eager to get my hands on this book. And, yeah, me and too. I'm going to do it just it. just for just for all the people that I know, and also even my son. You know, we talked a little bit about this before we went live, but yeah. you know, my I have two sons that are now in the service. My oldest just got out of the army, and he's trying to get his um, claims and you know medical treatment and all of that. And it's just been trying to figure it out and walk in the dark and <laughs> everybody's got an opinion. And so it'd be nice to kind of have a guide to walk them through that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And thank, thank you guys for sharing that. And I'm, I'm sorry to hear you've been denied multiple times and it's just, it's something 
all too common, yeah. you know, that we hear veterans being denied five, six, seven, eight times. And here's here, I got a message for everybody who's who's been denied or, you know, seen benefits that say not service connected in your e-benefits profile, your VA.gov account. It's never over unless you quit. Yeah. And and that's one of the things we encourage vets uh, in our coaching program is, look, it doesn't matter how many times you've been denied. What matters is if you get yourself back in the ring, you know, wipe off the sweat and the blood and the tears and, and you throw another punch because there's always another path forward uh, and we can help you do that. And so in this book, though, what I share are some some lessons learned. OK, I, I've been doing this now over 10 years. I've got at least 10,000 hours researching, writing, blogging, reading uh, BVA case law. I'm a nerd, so I love to learn and I love to apply these things. And I've boiled that experience down into a 330-page blueprint uh, where I really do teach you how to get the benefits you've earned, uh, even if you've already filed or been denied. And for anybody hearing my voice, by the way, if you're still active duty, if you're still guard, if you're still reserve, even if you're a veteran, okay, I got a message for you today. Get your butt to the doctor, okay? Because look, <laughs> if you don't get your conditions documented yeah. somewhere in a medical mm -hmm. record, I can virtually guarantee you, you will be denied and you will be denied multiple times times. Yeah. Now, I also share though in this book of even if you've been denied, you can still go to the doctor now. You can get these conditions diagnosed and documented in VA records or private records. And then I share some really some insider tips here of how you can prove service connection, even if you've been out of the service for say 10 or 15 years. Hmm. That's great. I love it. Can't wait to dive in. Can't wait. Where do you um, where do you see this business going in say five to ten years? Where do you hope VA Claims Insider is is going? Sure. Look, it's we're already a global movement, and we've impacted tens of thousands of lives. Uh, I want to impact millions. There's about twenty million veterans alive right now in the world, and and my mission is is to serve all of them. And so uh, as many veterans as we possibly can, as many as many folks and as lives we can help impact, uh, that's what we're going to do. So uh, we're never going to quit. In fact, uh, we keep adding other companies and other organizations and nonprofits into our portfolio um, who can serve the veteran community. And so, uh, look, we're, we're just going to keep growing. We're going to keep serving. Uh, and the future is looking really good for us. I love it. Uh, Brian, tell people where they can find you online. Sure. So uh, you can find me online at vaclaimsinsider.com. Uh, that's our coaching and consulting company. Uh, I blog all the time. Uh, you can follow us on, on YouTube, uh, Instagram, Twitter as well. Um, if you want to get yourself a copy of this book, it's actually 99 cents right now, the Kindle version on Amazon. Uh, so, I mean, literally, if you go to Google and type, you know, you deserve it by Brian Reese, you'll find us on Amazon. Uh, I just just was notified, by the way, we hit a hit a bestseller category in uh, multiple categories. So thank Yay. you. Thank you. Thank you. That's yeah, amazing. We're, we're starting to starting to make a big impact uh, with this book. But uh, but, yeah, you can get a copy copy a Kindle version for ninety nine cents right now. Um, you can also get the paperback version as well. I love it. 
Brian, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, it's been a, a, just a, a thrill to, to talk to you. And like I said, you know, every time we get to talk to folks about mental health, uh, the, these conversations are, are wildly helpful. So I appreciate you coming on and, and wish you all the best of luck. Guys, go pick up You Deserve It, the definitive guide to getting the veteran benefits you've earned right now on Amazon or wherever you get books. Uh, Cynthia, it's been a day. Yeah, it's been it's been an awesome day. It turned around <laughs> it <did. laughs> because of this podcast. Yeah, no. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, we will see you next week. Listen, learn, get shit done. We'll see you next week. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, launch. Ten percent of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.